Happy Easter, everyone. Once again, uh, especially for those of you who were watching and praying along last night, it still feels really weird. Uh, on Easter Sunday last night at the Easter Vigil, to not have you here to say Happy Easter and to hear Michael Becker from the choir loft and Joseph behind me, even if Flora, Flora and Johnny Brinsfield sang Happy Easter back, it still just wouldn't be the same because you're not here. And it's a difficult thing. And frankly, that's why we used the same gospel this morning that we used last night at the beautiful Easter vigil, the greatest solemnity, uh, the mother of all vigils, as they say, begins with the fire. It doesn't get much better than that. But the line that comes in this gospel that we just heard the deacon proclaim, that I think sums up so well Easter in 2020, is fearful yet overjoyed. The way that the women were as they left the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed. And I would say there's probably not a better phrase to sum up what's going on right now. And I'll tell you, it's uh, just to kind of share with you some personal reflections of the last 18 hours, so to speak. I was actually doing really pretty well over the last month. Uh, and I will say, I think the Holy Thursday liturgy, the Good Friday liturgy, both were beautiful. I mean, I loved our altar of repose. I appreciate so much the hard work that went into making all of that happen and the work that went into broadcasting that to you and the work that went into singing and making it stay solemn even in this unique way. And then Good Friday, I mean, the very nature of Good Friday is, you know, sadness and this, you know, downcast aspect and evil is throwing everything it has at Christ. And I'll tell you, especially for those of you who tuned in, and I have to get used to the fact that the microphone is very close. You can hear my breathing, especially when it's even emotional, and my little cues to my good friend, Deacon Jim Mazur, when I say, okay, buddy, let's go. Okay, I didn't realize you could hear me. I apologize you're hearing those little insights of direction. But when I was given that great grace to reverence the cross on behalf of the whole parish, to come to Christ, you know, as though he, there he is on Calvary, on the cross, and to reverence the cross like that and to bear it with you, to be your pastor, to be at the foot of the cross. There was something fitting about it to be able to hold him up, you know, at that moment of his death for us and for all of us to reverence him in that way. It just seemed appropriate. And, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest days of the year. It's the day of his crucifixion. And so, and sort of fitting with the whole aspect of that liturgy is the fact that it, it is so different this year, that even though you weren't here, it's like we were all suffering together. And it just kind of worked. And we still had people coming in to pray throughout the day. It, I don't know. It was still a beautiful liturgy. And last night, the beginning was great with the fire and the procession in, and so many were here in their cars, and it was awesome, and just a beautiful thing. And and especially, I mean, as, as the seminarians were lighting the candles and the lights came on for the Gloria, it was probably one of the best orchestrated versions of that I've ever seen. But then, <laughs> coming up to the Ambo and looking out at the Easter Vigil and nobody's here, that was tough. And as I've sort of reflected, as I said, over the last several hours, I think the thing is that it's 
easier to have something like this when it is Lent. As I've heard it described this year, the Lentiest Lent that I've ever Lented. I thought that was a pretty good way of kind of summing things up, right? And it's almost easier, I think, to deal with the difficulties of this time when we're going through Lent. It's a time for sacrifice and difficulty anyway. And we know it's like, okay, we're going to set our face like Flint, like our Lord. We're going to put our head down. We're going to do what we got to do. We're going to bear that cross. We're going to follow our Lord all the way to Good Friday. Well, the trouble is, is that we've moved beyond Good Friday. We moved into the Easter Vigil, and we're still in this unique time. We're still fearful. But, obviously, it doesn't end there. We have to hold on to that aspect of being overjoyed as well. And the question is, you know, even though we can't do what we normally do at these liturgies, you're not here with me right now, right? As we kind of talked about on Holy Thursday night, it's good that we can stream. One of my favorite memes I've seen about all of this is from my friend Father Richard Sutter. It said, didn't expect that we'd all become a bunch of televangelists. I thought that was pretty appropriate, right? And the thing is, I don't want to be a televangelist. I want to be your pastor. I want to be a priest. I want to be here with you and hug you and high-five the kids and celebrate with everybody. And it's hard when we're not able to do that. But why are we able to hold right next to fearful that term overjoyed? And my brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our duty to be overjoyed. Today is a day that we are not allowed to wallow in sadness, but we also don't get to come together in the same way that we always do. So how do we hold on to that overjoyed aspect? Let's well, begin by looking at all the readings that we read through last night. We read through salvation history throughout the Old Testament, from a couple of readings from Genesis and then Exodus, and we read from the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Baruch and Ezekiel. We read about the fact that throughout the ages, God, first of all, loved us into existence, created all of this beauty, all of this glory and grandeur, made it all there, formed man out of the ground in his own image, man and woman, he created them. All of this loving and making it all here impossible. And even after we fell, even after we turned our back on him, he didn't just turn away. He didn't wipe it all out of existence. Time and again, he continued to call us back to himself. He sent us the prophets. He sent us, you know, Moses, you know, to, to move through the deserts. All of these ways of trying to bring his people, those whom he loved, to himself. Time and again, we as humanity continue to sin and to turn our back on Him. And then, as we celebrate with all the lights coming on, the great glory of why? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered into all of this with us and took on that sin, all of the powers that darkness and evil in this world could throw at Him, took it on all the way to even death, death on a cross. But then all of the lights come on and we celebrate with all this. Why? Because he is victorious over that sin and death, going all the way down to death's domain and rising from the dead. And that is why we have to be overjoyed. Do we still experience the effects of sinfulness? Yes. Do we still experience the fact that we are in a fallen world after sin entered in? Yes. This coronavirus time, it's this unique challenge where it's almost like 
you know, this invisible enemy that affects different people in different ways, like this ominous what's going to happen anxiety if we don't know what's coming next. And obviously, the fearful aspect is real. But the thing that we celebrate today and that we know is true, and, and something so true that can't merely be taken away by the fact that we can't do things like we normally do, right? Even though we can't all come together in the church, even though, you know, we don't have the beautiful Easter dresses and hats and ties and things that we normally have, even though we don't get to do the Easter egg hunts that we once did, even though we don't get to have the family dinners that we always had, all of those things are good, but they're not the essential. They're not why we're overjoyed. As fun as coloring eggs may be, it's not because we color eggs that we celebrate today. We celebrate today what? That the light has overcome the darkness. The darkness has done everything it can to overcome the light, and it was not successful. The light of Christ burns brightly in every age, going forward always from the resurrection, and our age is included. We are called not to let that fearfulness have the greater part of that phrase, fearful yet overjoyed. Okay, let's be honest. We'll be realistic, okay? I know, it's different. And it's hard with our feelings to just be like, hey, it's Easter, let's just celebrate. Okay, yeah, we can't do it. And I struggled with that all night last night. I was kind of ashamed about how down I was after that Easter vigil. But... The question is, like, why am I here as a priest? Am I here just to kind of direct the whole big social gathering and then send you on your way? No. I'm here as a representative of Jesus Christ, configured to him by my ordination to declare with my whole being, he is risen from the dead. And I am called to do that whether you're all here or whether you're not. Whether I'm standing in this ambo or whether I'm locked away in some solitary confinement prison. Regardless, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that is why we are called to be overjoyed. Regardless of what the circumstances may be, anywhere in the world, we know that that love has conquered sin and death. Even if the whole world changes around us, that does not change. That continues to be the bedrock foundation upon which all of reality is built. And that is where the true realism comes in. That is where the overjoyed aspect continues on. That we must sing Alleluia in our hearts. Not in some corny, optimistic, oh, look on the bright side of life sort of way. No. That ultimately this is real. He is risen. And so even if you're hearing that sitting in your pajamas, in your house, in front of your computer... So be it. He is risen from the dead, and because of that, everything is different. Everything has changed. That ultimately, we are Christians. We are different from the rest of the world because we have a hope that will not be overcome. And so even if our feelings are down right now, and hey, I understand because mine are too, Although I'll tell you, I'm feeling better as this homily continues. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the sacraments. Thank God for the fact that He stays with us. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we reflect on fearful yet overjoyed, 
We know that fearfulness is present. We know that it's a difficult time. But what we also know is that he loved his own in the world and he continues to love us until the end. Jesus Christ really and truly is risen. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, eternally, his love lives on. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we heard so many times in the gospel today, from the angels and on the lips of Jesus himself, do not be afraid. Regardless of what's coming next, we know this. He's risen from the dead. He loves you and he loves me. And that love will never fail. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Felices Pascuas, mis amigos, a todos. Es un año diferente y uno muy difícil. Se siente tan extraño no tenerlos aquí y quiero decir que de alguna manera es bueno que no lo estén porque estaría llorando de mucha, de mucha alegría. Desearía que pudieran estar aquí conmigo y sé que ustedes también desearías poder estar aquí. La frase que probablemente sea tan buena para resumir la Pascua de este año, el triduo de este año es lo que está sucediendo en los corazones de esas hermosas mujeres cuando salen de la tumba y se van a anunciar la resurrección a los discípulos. Ellas tenían miedo, pero estaban muy alegrías. Si hay miedo, por supuesto, anoche, al escuchar las hermosas lecturas del sábado de gloria que incluían lecturas del Génesis, del Éxodo, de Isaías, del profeta Baruch y de Ezequiel, y finalmente, con la carta de San Pablo a los romanos, todo se resume a nos asegura una y otra vez el hecho de que Dios es fiel a su gente que nos ama y que nos ha amado hasta la toda la existencia. Los invito que se tomen un tiempo para leer de nuevo las lecturas del Sábado Santo. Tómese el tiempo para leer las oraciones entre esas lecturas, especialmente la primera que habla sobre las maravillas de la creación de Dios y lo importante y grandioso que es y lo único que supera la grandiosa que es esa creación es el amor de nuestro Redentor, de Jesucristo. Pasamos todo el tiempo pasando por la historia de la salvación a través del Antiguo Testamento, viendo una y otra vez cómo Dios es fiel a su pueblo. ¿Cómo nos dice que busquemos? Busquemos al Señor hoy mientras puede ser encontrado. En la lectura de Ezequiel, nos dice que Él no quitará nuestros corazones de piedra y nos dará corazones carnosos, que guiará a la gente a través del mar rojo. Y puso a Abraham a prueba y luego lo elevó haciendo grandes sus descendientes. Dios siempre nos sigue hasta el punto, ¿verdad? Mientras nosotros huimos una y otra vez, ¿qué hace Él? Él nos envía a su Hijo unigénito, 
aunque fuéramos infieles, aunque tengamos a nuestro padre Adán pecar, aunque estemos en este mundo de infidelidad y huyendo de Dios con tanta frecuencia, Él nos envía a su Hijo Unigénito. Y debido a eso, incluso en este mundo de miedo, incluso en este mundo que tiene sus propios desconocimientos, sus propios problemas con los corazones pedregosos y nuestra propia infidelidad, nuestra propia indiferencia y nuestro propio alejamiento de Dios, aún así nos da a su Hijo unigénito. Y lo hermoso de eso y lo que vemos con todo el sentido de hoy y también estoy muy emocionado por ustedes cuando las puertas pueden abrirse nuevamente y entren y huela el incienso y no solo el incienso sino las flores hermosas. Al ver las luces brillantes de las velas y escuchar las hermosas campañas. Todo apunta al hecho de que el amor de Cristo no será vencido. Eso realmente es lo único que debemos temer cuando se trata de ese temor en comparación con el hecho de estar demasiado contentos de mantener a todos juntos. Es el miedo a que nosotros mismos caigamos en pecado. Lo único que debemos temer es no amar a nuestro Señor como Él nos amó a nosotros. Él nos ha dado todo. Dejó completamente todo en la cruz. Murió en nuestro nombre y hoy celebramos el hecho de que no importa qué oscuridad nos arroje. La luz no puede ser superada. Es un momento extraño. Estamos sintiendo ese temor a nuestro alrededor. Bueno, por supuesto, pero como vemos en todo el curso de la historia humana, siempre ha habido cosas a las que temer. Siempre ha habido egipcios persiguiéndonos. Todavía ha habido todo tipo de guerras y hambres y plagas y problemas en todo esto. Pero, ¿qué celebramos hoy? Que Dios nos ama que más que temor tenemos un llamado a ser qué. Estar contentos de saber que la luz seguiría ardiendo para dispersar la oscuridad que, incluso si no somos todos capaces de estar en este edificio, en este momento para hacer temblar las paredes de alegría. Pero sepan que son sus devociones, desde los escalones, desde sus autos y de sus hogares que aman esa devoción por nuestro Señor. Continúa haciendo que todo el mundo sea una sacudida. Recuerden lo que dijo nuestro Señor el domingo de Ramos. Si esto no gritan, las mismas piedras lo harán. Bueno, mis hermanos y hermanas en Cristo, aquí estamos en este gran día de alegría, incluso con su propio motivo de temor. Señalemos esa alegría con la forma que, en que vivimos nuestras vidas sabiendo que sí, hay preguntas, hay dificultades, por supuesto, pero independientemente de lo que pueda existir, sabemos una cosa que Jesucristo 
nos amó, amó a los suyos en su mundo y los amó hasta el final. Él continúa permaneciendo con nosotros, esa luz continúa ardiendo. Así que no importa de dónde ve, veas esa luz, sé que la luz continúa dispersando, la oscuridad continúa enviando al pecado, a la muerte y el demonio. Mientras sigamos a Cristo, no tenemos nada que temer. Alabado sea Cristo Jesús. Amén.